May the God of peace fill you with all joy in believing. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's gospel from Mark chapter 4. I'll remind you again of these words of our Savior. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when we say that somebody has a green thumb, we simply mean that they are pretty good at growing things. Beautiful flowers, healthy vegetables, lush lawns, whatever it may be. Do you know the background of that term? Do you know where the term a green thumb comes from? Well, nobody does for sure, but a man by the name of James Underwood Crockett has an idea. He hosted PBS's Victory Garden for many years, has written many gardening books. And he says that the term green thumb probably comes from the fact that a sort of green algae often grows on the outside of earthenware pots. And people who work a lot with those pots will eventually stain their fingers and their thumb with that green algae. Those who are constantly working with plants and planting things often literally have a green thumb. Now, it's not a very big logical step to get to the point where you say that somebody who has a green thumb is really good at growing things, hence the phrase that we still use today. Our God has the greenest thumb of all. And I'm not talking about his incredible creativity and power and wisdom in designing and calling into existence and maintaining the lush world in which we live today. I'm talking about his power for growing a kingdom. Again, not a kingdom of, of palatial palaces and powerful armies, but a kingdom that exists in human hearts, a kingdom of faith which God grows through his gospel. Today, my friends, we're going to marvel at our God's green thumb because, you see, our God starts with the poorest of soil. He uses the most powerful seed, and with that seed, he grows a garden that is filled with life. My dad grew up in a little town in Alabama called Haleyville. In 1953, he moved up to Flint, Michigan, where he took a job as an auto worker working for General Motors. In the late 50s or early 60s, my grandpa decided to travel up from Alabama to visit my dad, and he took the bus. And as he traveled up, looking out the window of the bus, he kept noticing as he got further north the beautiful, dark, rich, black soil of Ohio, and then as he got into Michigan. And my dad told me once that the whole time Grandpa was there in Michigan visiting, he, he would catch him, and he'd just be staring into a farmer's field, staring at that black dirt, which was such a contrast to the red clay that stained his boots. And truly, that black soil really is a blessing for us here in the Midwest because it is just excellent for growing crops. How different is the soil of the human heart? Here's what Jeremiah said about the human heart. He said, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In other words, my friends, our hearts are not just a little bit bad or sort of broken. Our hearts by nature are totally depraved and completely evil. 
Jesus once talked about the things that the human heart naturally grows from its soil. He said, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. It's an ugly list, and it's one to which we can all relate because all of those weeds at one time or another have sprouted in each of our hearts. In fact, my friends, our hearts naturally produce nothing but the thorns and the thistles of sin and of unbelief. But remember, our merciful God has a green thumb. He takes that pathetic, rocky soil of the human heart and he changes it. He changes it into the good soil, the soil that Jesus describes in the parable of the sower. Soil that produces a crop, a hundred, sixty, or a thirty times what was sown. Like a farmer who gets his field ready for planting by plowing it, our God gets our hearts ready with his holy law. He breaks up our stony hearts with the spade of his law. That law convicts us of our sin and condemns us to the eternal death that we deserve. That law drives us onto our knees where we are forced to cry out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It is then, with our hearts properly prepared, that our green thumb God sows his seed. He sows the seed of the eternal gospel. Listen again to our teacher's words. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. There is a mystery to farming. There's a mystery to growing things. The farmer does not truly understand exactly how the seed that he plants grows and produces a crop. He just knows that when he plants it, that's what happens. Even a, a modern-day scientist, a botanist, studying seed down at the molecular, even atomic level, will have to admit that he or she doesn't truly understand exactly how all of that works. There is a mystery to it, but there is certainly also a power. The Apostle Paul calls the seed of the gospel the power of God that brings salvation. And that, of course, is exactly what our God wants. He wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants to save every single soul from the well-deserved wages of sin. When the gospel seed is sown in hearts that have been prepared by the law, something truly miraculous happens, something that we can't really understand. It sprouts, it grows, it takes root, it matures, it produces fruit, and finally it is harvested. How this happens is a mystery. God hasn't revealed to us all the details of just exactly how he plants this faith in human hearts. He simply tells us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He simply tells us in his word that faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ, the gospel. The good news of Jesus our Savior works powerfully and yet invisibly and mysteriously in human hearts. Through that gospel, our God grows his kingdom. 
The evidence of that gospel's power and of God's working in it is seated right here before me in the pews this morning. The evidence of God's green thumb is sitting before me. Think about it. You are not here today sitting in that pew because your pastor has such a dynamic personality and winning smile. And you're not sitting there in those pews because this is such a a beautiful house of God, which of course it is. And you're not even sitting there because your family has worshipped in this place for generations. You are there because the gospel seed has taken root in your hearts. And for most of you, that seed was first planted at the baptismal font, perhaps even this very baptismal font in front of us this morning. When the pastor poured water on your head in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the gospel seed was sown in your heart and something miraculous happened. A tiny sprout of faith began to grow there. And ever since then, our green thumb God has been nurturing and fertilizing that plant, that little plant of faith with his word and with the supper of his son's true body and blood. My friends, that gospel again has worked nothing short of a miracle in your heart. Think of the amazing and wonderful things that you believe. God demands that you live a perfect and sin-free life. Nothing short of that, not just do your best, but be holy, be perfect. But you believe through the gospel that God looks on you right now as one who has done just that, as one who has lived a perfectly holy and sin-free life because the substitute he sent for you lived just such a life in your place, a life that counts as if you had lived it. God demands, he requires because he is holy, that all sin be paid for, that it be punished. But my friends, you believe, again, through the gospel, that God has already punished you for all of your sins. He did this 2,000 years ago when he punished you for your sins in the person of Jesus Christ, his son whom he sent to the cross. That priceless blood that Jesus shed on the cross wipes out the world's sin, including yours, including mine. You know that you were born into this world a sinner and therefore destined for and deserving of eternal death. But you believe that on the third day, just as he promised, our Lord Jesus rose bodily from the grave, and that when he did that, he conquered the power of sin and Satan and death forever and opened the gates to eternal life to all who believe in him. My friends, by faith, you believe everything that God says to you in his word, that you are his own dear child, that all of your sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb, and that you will spend an eternity living in a perfect paradise with him. How did this come to be? How did this happen? Well, our green-thumbed God sowed his seed. The gospel did its miraculous and mysterious and merciful work in your heart. Jesus has one more insight about God's kingdom that he wants to share with us today. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. I want you to consider for a moment that gospel seed. 
It seems so tiny, so insignificant, so beyond even being noticed by us. I mean, a, a bunch of old ancient words printed on a dusty page in an old book. A little handful of water poured by the pastor onto the head of a baby. And by the way, not some special holy water, but just plain old water usually taken from the kitchen tap back in the gathering room. A small bite of thin bread that tastes like pretty much nothing. And a sip of wine that might actually be just a little bit too sweet. It certainly is for my taste. Such small, weak, insignificant things. Or at least it seems so. But my friends, just like that mustard seed that sprouts and grows into an amazing plant, the gospel accomplishes big things. The means of grace, the gospel, changes hearts, changes lives, changes eternities. It has changed the world. Some may think that our little congregation doesn't have much to offer even to our community, much less to the world at large. I mean, we do not operate a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen. And we don't have a thriving youth program staffed by uh, dozens of paid counselors. We don't even have the staff to be able to offer uh, support groups for every problem or classes on every conceivable topic. We are a, a small group of believers gathered around God's word and sacraments, humble sinners who are seeking solace and salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But remember something, that seemingly insignificant gospel is anything but. It is the most powerful force in the universe. Think about how it has changed and impacted your life. Think of how it has brought you comfort at a time when you have fallen into sin again, at a time of guilt. Think of how it has brought you peace in a time of trouble or of crisis. Think of how that gospel has energized and empowered you to do amazing things, to volunteer your time, to give generously, to forgive graciously, to grow, to reach out, reach out to love and to serve. Think of what this means for our mission here as a congregation. Our job, finally, very simply, is to scatter the powerful seed of the gospel generously and then just sit back and with amazed smiles on our faces, watch as our God goes to work building his church, as our green thumb God grows that garden, uh, a garden that is so big and beautiful that the birds of the air come and perch in its shade. You see, people from all over the world benefit from God's kingdom, even those who are not members of that kingdom, even those who are unbelievers. They benefit from the kindness and generosity, from the zeal and the witness of everyday Christians like you and me. So our insignificant, hardly heard of congregation here on the lakeshore is armed to the teeth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, filled with life through that gospel. My friends, we can do amazing things. We can continue to gather here in God's house around his means of grace as we have done so this morning to listen to his word, to praise him for the great things that he has done for us as we give him our very best worship. We can study his word in our own homes, in our classes, as we will this morning, so that the word of Christ continues to dwell in us richly. We can use the times and the talents our God has generously given us to serve one another in love. We can offer up our dollars in support of gospel outreach. And we can offer our own voices to share that gospel message with friends and relatives and neighbors and acquaintances. 
And my friends, we can do it all in joyful thanks to the one who has called us, who has called us out of darkness into light, who has called us into his garden, into his kingdom, our green-thumbed God, who has made us members of his church and has given us so many blessings through it. If you know me, you know that I really don't have what would be called a green thumb. Uh, that's not because I'm not interested in things that grow, don't appreciate vegetables and those kinds of things. It's just that I, I really don't spend a whole lot of time doing that. And in my yard right now, I really don't even have room uh, to have a garden. Uh, so a green thumb has kind of eluded me. A green thumb has not eluded our God. He has the greenest thumb of all. Because of his merciful green thumb, my friends, we are part of his garden. We are plants sprouted and growing, filled with life and producing fruit. And one day, our Lord Jesus himself is coming again to bring in the harvest, to take all of us and every believer to live with him forever and ever. May God hasten that day for his glory and for our salvation. Amen.